The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It was the uh, first weekend of phase one of the relaunch, also a, a long weekend. What did you do? What did you get up to? I saw folks out like they'd never heard of COVID-19 before and also know of a lot of folks still laying low and taking all the precautions necessary if they do have to go out. How do you think the weekend went? How do you think the relaunch is going? Let me know at 780-496-0063. I am curious to get the reaction of our next guest. Dr. Norman Newman is the Vice Dean of the University of Alberta School of Public Health. Dr. Newman, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, you, Jalen, for having me. All right. So what were your thoughts? Where's, where's your head at today um, as we've eased up on the restrictions? We've entered uh, the first part of the relaunch. What do you think uh, about what happened over the weekend? Well, I think it's probably a bit of mixed emotion for everybody, a little bit of an excitement and a little bit of trepidation going forward, I guess. And um, So, you know, there's this, this feeling of a bit of relief, but at the same time, I guess, unsure and um and it's always challenging in the summer months when people really want to get out or spring here people really want to get out and experience life again well and and i think that's one of the big things is you know we we have to wonder how many people are just going to say okay you know what i'm going to get out there and do that or we'll continue to follow some of the rules and and uh, regulations that have been put in place i think that is you know going to be a, a key part on on just how successful this relaunch is going to be yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We in public health, we need the public's investment in the solutions that we put forward. So, yeah, it, a lot of the relaunch strategy depends on the public's willingness to participate in managing the crisis as we see it moving forward. So. I mean, I think the public bought into it while you know when everything was first happening. If you go back to March, you know, fifteenth, March sixteenth, when everything got clamped down, I'm not sure how well the public would buy into it a second time. What do you think? Yeah, it's always a good question. When the disease first started, when COVID started to come, there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know much about it. There's a genuine fear that's associated with it. Um, And because of that uncertainty, people are more likely to engage in restrictive behaviors because of that uncertainty associated with it. So oftentimes, uh, although it's it's difficult to induce type of quarantine uh, aspects, when the risk is severe enough, people are more likely to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But as we start managing the risks, as we start controlling those things, when we start thinking about the flattening of the curve, um, the fact that we were able to reduce the number of cases compared to the projected models, people then begin a sense of confidence in the fact that perhaps we're able to control this, we're maybe managing it to be maybe I don't have to do this uh, <laughs> restriction as much or perhaps the number of people I can see in a day might be more. And so it, it is a bit of a delicate balance. I, I use the analogy, it's like a, a slow rumba moving into a quick rumba. <laughs> now, as things start picking up, you know, it, 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 things are starting to move in quicker. The motions are quicker. We're trying to understand it. And, and it, it is a bit of a delicate balance. You talk about a balance, and I think we, we've seen... Um, some polling done on the the trust that the public has in in you know some of the leaders on this one. You look at Dr. Hinshaw. You look at the you know provincial government and, and and the premier. How important is it that people have that confidence 
in the person that the message is coming from? Well, I think it's uh, I think it's critically important, and um, leadership is all about demonstrating some kind of ability to reflect, you know, the values and an understanding of what people are facing. And I think Dr. Hinshaw has been absolutely stellar at doing that. You know, and these these are tough decisions. We know in public health when we start really thinking about the population's health, just how impactful some of those decisions are. Um, and, and you can't take those lightly. And as Dina Hinshaw has reflected on, it's never taken lightly. We mm-hmm. know that it's restricting. We know it's going to affect people. Um, pu- public health is all about really the health of a population, and that can be everything from those social interactions, the mental stability of people, the economics associated with lockdown. Um, those are all looked at and weighed and evaluated in terms of the risk and the threat um, that is there. And, and so it, it, it's a tough decision. I don't think anybody of us would want to be in a deci- place where we'd have to make decisions like that. And so having that trust in that leadership becomes important and for that leadership to be very open and transparent about why and how they're making mm-hmm. the decisions that they've done. I think the province, particularly Dr. Hinshaw, has been very eloquent at doing that. I think that it might become a bit more of a challenge over the coming days, and, and, and it depends what happens here in the next couple of weeks. But if you look over the weekend, we're looking at um, the number of new cases in and around the 30, 35 degree mark, and especially in the Edmonton zone where the numbers are are, are quite a bit lower, for example, than, than the Calgary zone. I, I just, um, I suspect that people are going to be uh, willing to maybe not pay as much attention to the social distancing um, about maybe washing the hands as much or maybe wearing a mask. And and I worry what that could mean uh, two, three, four weeks from now. Yeah, it's a really good point, Jalen, that you make there. And it's something that I think concerns many public health people. It's, um, you know, we have a lot more cases today than we did when the impl- when the public health restrictions were put in place. And when you really look at the beginning of the epidemiological curves that we've seen across different countries around the world, so whether it was Italy or Spain or, or whatnot, and you were looking at doubling times in the population um, as being as short as five days, mm-hmm. um, you put that in context. You know, today we have about 1,000 active cases in the province. And if you were to look at that over a month, you'd have about six doublings huh. in, in a 30-day period. So if, if you really think about that, 1,000 would become 2,000 in five days, which would become 4,000 in 10 days, which would become 8,000 in 15, which would become 16,000 in 20, 32 in 25, and 64,000 in a month. Hmm. If we went back to normal, right? Uh, complete normal, where yeah. nobody listened to any of the public health restrictions or anything that were, and we were still traveling and doing everything that we did as a society before this disease emerged. So, you know, it's a principle in biology one seed yields a hundred seeds. The same thing can be said for the virus. The virus wants to replicate, that, that's the goal in biology. Right, of all living mm-hmm. entities, and so we we have to think about those principles in biology when we start thinking about public health implications. The difference now, and and why we're looking at releasing, is we know a lot more about the enemy now. You know, it's, it's kind of like guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. You don't. 
don't know where the enemy is. You don't know who has it. You don't know who is it. You don't know where it's circulating and looking and where to look for it. But, you know, over the last three months or so, we've got a lot more evidence and knowledge about the disease. You know, what are the high-risk groups? Where is it? Where is it circulating? How do we control it? What are the contacts? Who's had contacts with this enemy? And we're able to have a better surveillance in doing that. So even though we have maybe still a 1,000 people in Alberta infected with with the excellent work that, you know, the um, Chief Medical Officer of Health, AHS, the Provincial Lab for Public Health has been doing in surveillance, we're better able to manage and understand where this thing is moving and where the high-risk areas are so we can focus on those areas. So it, it allows us to tolerate a slightly higher case level knowing that we might we have the capability or better capability than we did two months ago to respond to it and manage it. But it still really depends on people's behaviors. Dr. Dr. Newman, your thoughts on, I think over the weekend, uh, there was results of some testing uh, down in the Calgary zone that it opened it up um, to um, people with no symptoms that um, who wanted to get testing. I think they did like 6,000 tests or they had the capability of doing up to 6,000 tests. 50 uh, tests came back positive um, and apparently asymptomatic. How worried are you about that factor in all of this? Well, that's, that's a significant unknown in it all is, is who might be out there that doesn't even know they have it but could be act as a foci of transmission to others. Um, you know, as, as, as others get the disease and they may not and start showing symptoms, we're able to go back into the contact tracing and find out where and what happened or what event might have led to that. So we do have a capability to do it, to, to, to try and trace those types of things. But you're right, these are, these are some of the concerns. What proportion of the population mm-hmm. may have it that don't know it? Uh, and, and again, if they feel, well, I'm not sick, so let's have a party. Uh, or let's go out and do this, you still create an avenue for escape of that virus uh, into those contacts and for which the symptoms may occur in those people. Um, so you, you do have to be very careful. We know little about asymptomatic carriage of this particular virus. You know, our focus over the last two months has really been trying to manage through the clinical diagnosis of where this thing, now we're trying to collect more information of where are these pockets, where, uh, you know, who are the asymptomatic carriers of this, this is a certain age class or group, you know, we know children, for example, Mm -hmm. have less um, symptoms associated with it than than adults and the elderly would, Um, you know, what role might that play in transmission dynamics as well, too. Interesting. Dr. Norman Newman joining me this afternoon, the Vice Dean of the University of Alberta School of of Public Health. Dr. Newman, is there um, a country that you're watching uh, as it, you know, as it goes through its relaunch, you know, in anticipation of, you know, figuring out what might happen here as provinces across Canada continue to uh, loosen restrictions? Are you you watching anywhere else to see what happens? I think the world is watching certain <laughs> jurisdictions. Um, you, you know, we've heard statements come out of the, the U.S. that, you know, the U.S. is going to open up regardless of vaccine or no vaccine, you know. And, and you know, these, these, are, these are difficult decisions as well, too, because economics is so important mm-hmm. to countries. I mean, the biggest consumers of government funding is healthcare systems. And, and for years, we've been trying to control healthcare expenditures because they're the biggest consumer of government funds. You know, so if 
you don't have an actively working economy, how do you fund mm-hmm. uh, health in the f- first place? So, so these are real. I mean, they, they, these are real decisions that need to be made, and there's some validity to opening up the economy on it. Just how far we go in that um, will, will, will be some of the telltale signs. So I think the U.S. and certain states in the U.S. will be quite important as they've opened up and begun to open up. You know, Italy has talked about completely opening up economies there, even open to um, uh, tourism again as at the beginning of June. And so I think, you know, as we see the virus gaining foothold in other countries, what does that mean from a global perspective of movement? Could uh, the virus be re-imported back into jurisdictions? How do we ensure and monitor and look for that and control that re-importation, even though we may control it here? Yeah, without a doubt. And and I'm just, as you're talking there, I, something just popped into my head and I'm thinking, you know, 10 years from now, you know, because there'll be studies done on this, on how it was handled, uh, the, the reaction, there'll be investigations, you name it, it's going to be done. What are you hoping maybe, and I don't know if this is even a, a fair question for you or if you can even answer it, but what are you hoping to learn from all of this down the road? Yeah, that's a really good question, Jalen. If you look at, um, you know, infectious disease in the past, even sometimes as a comparison of um, COVID to influenza in 2009 to to SARS and MERS, Mm -hmm. you know, um, COVID is, is kind of interesting. You know, the case fatality rates for SARS were higher than COVID was, um, yet it wasn't as transmissible. And so by and large, public health is able to manage the SARS by isolation, seeing the extreme symptoms associated with SARS, uh, you know, it's devastation in people that did get, get it, relatively low or lower asymptomatic carriage. So we're able to control it a lot better, and that's probably why you've seen SARS disappear. Uh, we're able to do that with MERS, influenza, uh, in 2019, the pan- or in 2009, the pandemic was highly infectious. You know, um, less pathology or, or cl- uh, clinical implications associated. Still important in certain populations, but this COVID is is this happy medium. You know, it's not. It, it's a coronavirus like SARS and MERS, but is more infectious. Mm-hmm. So it's able to maintain itself in a population. It's able to transmit quite effectively. We know that from outbreaks that have occurred. So whether that was the um, the gathering of dentists or, or uh, the, the curling event or whatever yeah. that was, um, and, and, and cases we know it's a little bit so it's, it's able to maintain itself and stabilize itself, um, and, and, and so we we have this persistence of of these pandemics that kind of emerge, but they're all slightly different in how we do it, and this one's very unique, unlike what we've experienced in the last hundred years. Um, so we need to learn about how we as a society need to manage ourselves when something of this nature comes. What are the steps that we need to control it quickly? Uh, and that's some of the dialogue that's under discussion now with you know, the World Health Organization and others. How quickly did we respond to yeah. it? Should we have new powers to respond quickly? Um, and, and those are all going to be learning things for us into the new future. It's always hard because this is so unique, the situation, that um, you hope what you're doing is right based on the evidence you have at the yeah. time. Uh, but that evidence changes as well, too. And you know more as you go on. 
So it'll be interesting to how it all plays out, Jalen. Before I let you go, is there anything that you think that we should be doing a better job of right now or could be doing a better job of right now when it comes to this? I, I think uh, what's um, really encouraging to me is when uh, I, I think Alberta has done a really good job in, in trying to manage the situation as it comes. So through the Chief Medical Officer of Health, through the, the uh, Alberta Health, really Alberta Health Services, you know, through the, the, the committed testing that was done and high volume testing that was done right at the beginning of this. Um, you know, and a realization that we do need to get back to normal, whatever that new normal will be. And the public, and as we try to move through the staged and phased relaunch, I think it's important for people to understand that and be a little bit patient with it. Uh, the better we we manage it now, I think the quicker phase one will move into mm-hmm. phase two. We're starting to see that in BC, I think, and other places taking that next step. You know. Um, um, if we rush too quick into it, we don't want to get down and lock down again. Because, <laughs> so, you know. We thought it was tough the first time. I can't even imagine what it would yeah. be like a second time. Dr. Newman, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for this. Yeah, take care. This. Take care. Bye-bye.